I want to show you how to flip vehicles for a profit without a dealer's license. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. Hello, this is Dallas Johnson with the Dealer Training Podcast. First of all, if you want to find vehicles to sell without a dealer's license, this is possible. Your state is only going to allow you to do about four to five vehicles a year. But, you know, this is one way you might want to get into the business. This is how I got into the business. I would buy a vehicle, you know, pay the sales tax on that vehicle, and then turn around, flip it for a profit. And then I realized much later on that it was so much easier with a dealer's license license and that gave me an unlimited income as well because when you are flipping vehicles for a profit without a dealer's license you're going to have to pay sales tax on those so let's talk about this you are listening to the dealer training podcast with dallas johnson so first of all if you want to flip vehicles for a profit you're going to need to find a car or truck to flip every person that you talk to uh, let them know that you're looking for a vehicle to purchase tell your friends family co-workers that you're looking to buy a car and maybe you don't want to buy a vehicle from a dealer. Uh, maybe you even have better luck by checking Facebook Marketplace, uh, you know, eBay. Uh, you know, you can look at your online classified ads for your local newspaper. Or let's go for this scenario. Let's say we're going to do Craigslist. And for this scenario, let's say you got $1,500 cash to purchase a vehicle. And the reason I say you must have cash, cash is by far your very best negotiating tool during a buy. Many persons won't take a check. And many persons you deal with will not have Venmo or PayPal. So having $1,500 cash to flip your first vehicle is imperative, uh, no matter what, that you have cash, okay? And, you know, I know some of you listening to this podcast may not have $1,500 laying around. So I want to show you a couple of ways real quick here that you can actually get $1,500. The last thing you want to do is probably, you know, ask for $1,500 from your friend or family. So you can always go to Google and search for short-term online loans. You're going to see a lot of companies there that will give you a loan on the same day and will actually wire transfer it into your checking or your savings account. You know, eBay now is a huge lender. So you can go to eBay, type in loans. They'll give you loans. And, you know, uh, something else you could do, you can pawn some things off that are laying around in your basement. You know, it'd be a good time to gather up some old tools that you never use, maybe some old musical instruments, or you could even clean out your basement and sell some old stereo equipment on eBay just to come up with that initial $1,500 to invest when you are flipping a vehicle. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. So first, let's find a vehicle. Let's jump on a Craigslist. Let's say we're on Craigslist and, you know, let's, I don't know, let's just say, for example, you're in Chicago and obviously this will work for you in any city or town you live in. So let's take a look on Craigslist for the vehicles in Chicago. And let's go ahead and type in ASAP, A-S-A-P in the search box. And then you're going to see several vehicles that have the term ASAP, which means the person that are selling those vehicles want to sell those vehicles as soon as possible, obviously. So that's a great search term for you. And you're going to see a lot of vehicles that have ASAP in their text. You know, something else you can look at needs work. You know, you can search for vehicles that needs work work, okay, uh, or something like must sell, must sell. Those are great terms for you to look for when you're looking for vehicles to sell on Craigslist. OBO, OBO is another great search term, which means a person is willing to stay best offer other than their uh, listed price, you know, so and also, you know, like I said, if you do have a little bit of mechanical ability, you can search for needs work. You know, that's telling someone that a vehicle needs something like maybe tires, paint, shocks, or something like that. And those are definitely going to be some owners that are going to look at a lower uh, price than their actual stated price, you know. And, uh, you know, when you're looking for ads, sometimes you're going to see someone selling an ad. It's a real basic ad with just a minimal amount of information. That's an excellent way to grab that vehicle 
you know, maybe fix it up and then rewrite an ad that's going to sell a little bit better. You know, we'll throw some psychological sales terms in there when we're turning that vehicle around to sell. So that is certainly something that you want to look into, into when you are reselling that vehicle as well. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. So maybe you found a vehicle on Craigslist or Marketplace or from a friend. The first thing you want to do when you contact a person about buying that vehicle is ask them that very important question. Is the title in your name? I want to repeat that. Very important statement. When you buy a vehicle from an individual, it's very important that you ask the question, is the title in your name? Uh, because, you know, if they say the title's in their name or maybe they'll say, yeah, the title's in my name. I paid for the vehicle a couple of years ago. I got the title right here in my name. That's excellent. That is definitely what you're looking for. Now, that tells you that the person who's selling that vehicle has the legal selling rights to that vehicle and you want to go ahead and make the buy. Now, that's great. That's what you're looking for. Now, if you ask that person, is the title in their name? And maybe they hesitate and say something like, well, no, I bought this car from my neighbor a couple of months ago. He signed the back of it, but you can come on over here and, and buy the vehicle for me. I do this all the time or something like that. That is a transaction you want to stay away from. That's what we call a blank title. So the person that's trying to sell you that vehicle has asked the previous owner just to sign the back and they've left the purchaser's information blank. And that title is illegal in all 50 states. The person trying to sell you this vehicle is trying to act as a dealer illegally without a dealer's license. Every state in our country requires a person that doesn't have a dealer's license to pay sales tax on a vehicle before they can actually ever resell that vehicle. So this person doesn't want to get a dealer's license, and they are basically acting as a dealer without a dealer's license. So one thing I want you to really be aware of, no matter what, when you're buying vehicles to resell, if you don't have a dealer's license, you are required to pay sales tax. So if you buy a vehicle, you know, if you're talking to someone and you say, is the title in their name? And they say, well, no, I bought it for my brother-in-law a couple months ago. He signed the back of it. And you can just come on over here and buy it from me. Stay away from that vehicle. Possession of blank titles. That's called a blank title. Sometimes we call it an open title or a skip title. And that's a title where somebody has asked a previous owner just to sign the back of it and they've illegally left all the purchasers information blank this title is illegal in all 50 states most states it's a misdemeanor uh there are several states now that say if you have one blank title in your possession you can be charged with a felony so what i'm getting at here when you're buying a vehicle from an individual you want to make sure the person who's selling you that vehicle's name is printed on the front of the title it is absolutely imperative that you do this Otherwise, you could be charged with a felony if you have a blank, open, or skipped title in your possession. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. So once you have established that person is a the legal owner, we're going to go ahead and we are going to go make that buy. So when you've established that the vehicle title is in the name of the person selling it, you always want to set up a time to view that vehicle. Always arrive right on time and try to bring cash. Cash is your best friend. Cash offers will cause many sellers to accept well under their asking price. Before making an offer, you know, make sure to inspect that vehicle and ask that seller if they've ever had any problems with the vehicle while paying close attention to the seller's reaction. You know, when you say something like, hey, have you ever had any problems with this? If the seller hesitates, looks around nervously and says something like, no, uh-uh, no, no, uh, no, no, never had any problems, no. Well, that's not very convincing to me. You know, more than likely that person probably lying and could be aware of a hidden mechanical problem. You know, if the seller answers the question with a very confident, no, I've never had a single problem with this car since I purchased it, it's grand great. Well, you know, if they're looking you directly in the eye, I think they're probably going to be telling you 
the truth. Another thing I always recommend, go to Amazon and order a vehicle diagnostic reader. Diagnostic readers are those electronic devices you can plug in right behind the steering wheel of any 1996 or newer vehicle. And it's going to tell you, you know, air conditioner problems, if it needs O2 sensor readouts, resets. It will tell you major mechanical problems as well. Uh, those computers will actually tell you, like, if the transmission is going bad or any type of electrical problems. You can get one of these on Amazon for only 18 bucks. Some of them, the, the ones that have a little bit more information are going to run 60 to $70. And if you want to really go all out and get uh, the most awesome vehicle diagnostic reader that you can, you can spell well over four hundred, four or $500. But I definitely recommend, no matter what, you know, after you've asked that customer if they've had any problems, go ahead and take your vehicle diagnostic reader, hook that up, and see if there are any problems with that vehicle. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. You know, when you've established the vehicle is titled in the person's name that is selling it and it's in good mechanical condition, then you're ready to make an offer. When making an offer, mission what you're going to have to do to make that vehicle ready without making any unnecessary negative comments about the vehicle. You know, we're going to shoot a lowball offer first. Remember, the person needs to sell this vehicle ASAP, which means they're going to be in need of in cash immediately, and you can always bring your offer up after the initial offer. Remember, this is the seller's personal car, and negative comments about the vehicle cannot be taken personally by they can be taken personally by the seller. Remember, the ad stated, you know, uh, some ads will state exactly what they need. So you definitely need to be uh, aware of this and bring this into your negotiation process. And always remember to say positive things. So, you know, you might tell the customer, okay, hey, you've kept this car in excellent condition, but I'm going to need to put on new tires, fix this broken tire light, and probably install a new stereo system. Then make the offer. Just say something like, I can give you $1,250 cash. Will that work for you? Then say absolutely nothing. No matter how tempting or how long silence follows your offer, don't say a word. Let the seller respond first. This gives the seller time to think about your offer and hopefully accept it. This statement also does not invite an automatic no answer from the seller, such as if you just said something like, hey, will you take $1,250? Make sure you state your offer in the full amount of $1,250 cash. This amount sounds more like like more money than an offer of twelve fifty or twelve hundred fifty. This statement also makes the seller think if it will work for them. Always end it with "Will it work for you?" instead of coming back with an automatic no to your offer. The answer you look forward to will be hearing "Yes, that will work for me." Or then maybe they'll say something like, "Well, I wasn't really wanting to sell it for that low, uh, but I do need to sell it as soon as possible." Okay, you know. If the seller states that your offer will not work for me, ask that seller what price they are expecting to receive. If their lowest price is much higher than what you're willing to pay them, you know, thank them for your time. Always be courteous. Give them a big smile and shake their hand firmly. Before you leave, always write down your offer on the back of a business card. Tell them that your offer stands for two days and explain to that seller in two days your offer is going to expire because you're going to be investing that cash into another vehicle. This may add a sense of urgency, and very often you're going to find that your offer accepted is accepted after the seller has time to think about it for a couple of days. You're going to be surprised how many times the seller will call you shortly after the visit and accept your offer or possibly give you a really great counter offer. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. They may, let's say, for example, we went in at a smaller offer, and they may, however, counter your offer at two thousand. Uh, let's say this vehicle was $2,050, okay? And and let's say we went in with 1250 
Uh, I think most persons selling a $2,500 car that needs some work will be willing to drop that price by three to $500, but we want to buy that vehicle as low as we possibly can. So next, you want to increase your offer just a little to $1,400 cash. If you say, if they say that's not acceptable, then you can make a final offer of $1,500 cash. I would also recommend telling the seller you only have $1,500 to invest in the vehicle. And always remember when negotiating the purchase price of a vehicle that you decrease the counter amount each time. Remember, your first offer was $1,250 cash. Your second offer was $1,400 cash, an increase of $150. And your final offer was $1,500 cash, which was an increase of only $100. By decreasing the amount that you are increasing your offer on each counter, you're letting the customer know that you are near the very end of the negotiation process, and you're not going to offer more than the final decreased counter offer. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. You know, if the seller says something like, there's absolutely no way in the world I would ever think about selling this beloved car of mine less than $2,500 price that's listed in Craigslist, then there's an excellent chance that they may be firm on that price. And when this happens, just leave your number on that card, be polite as possible, and leave on a positive note. Say something like, you know, I'd like to wish you the very best of luck with the sale of your car, and I invite you to give me a call at any time if you would like to sell this vehicle as soon as possible. Have a great day. You know, if you don't get to buy on the first try, you've left a very positive professional image in the mind of that seller. You know, they're not going to forget the respect you pay them and the compliments that you made on that vehicle. The seller was going to remember your demeanor and will contact you before they call an individual that did not treat them with a positive professional attitude. You know, if they have accepted that initial lowball offer, or perhaps they've accepted one of your counter offers, that's great. You know, ask that customer to bring out that title, and you're going to complete that title as the purchaser of the vehicle. Okay, so once again, you want to make sure that the person you're sell- that's selling that vehicle does not have a title with someone else's name and was signed by someone else, you know. Most states are also going to require that you have what's called a bill of sale. Most states have what's called a retail contract law, which requires some type of written instrument on the purchase or sale of any motor vehicle. So you definitely want to have, make sure you've got some type of bill of sale. You know, you can probably find your state uh, vehicle regulatory agency probably has a uh, bill of sale. You can always go to Google and type in bill of sale. Like if you're in Illinois, type in Illinois bill of sale or Texas, type in Texas bill of sale or whatever state you live in, be sure to have a bill of sale when buying and selling vehicles. That is a law in all states. All states require that a motor vehicle purchase or sale is what we call preceded by a written contract. So make sure you got some type of even a simple bill of sale. You can't even create your own. Just make sure that you have, you know, the pricing, um, the mileage and things like that. Make sure it has been signed by both you and either the seller or the buyer. So the next thing you want to do after you purchase that vehicle, definitely you're going to have to pay motor vehicle sales tax and registration on that vehicle. You know, most states, uh, sales tax on motor vehicle varies from anywhere from four to 6%. Some of them are as high as 7%. So let's say, uh, your state's motor vehicle sales tax is 6% and you bought this vehicle for $1,500 and you're going to pay around $90 in motor vehicle sales tax. Your state might have some additional registration fees as well, but this will allow you to legally apply for a new vehicle that you have purchased so you can resell that vehicle. Okay. So that's something that we're going to talk about right now. 
You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. One of your best instruments in selling a vehicle is going to be a KBB report. Like you can go to Kelly Blue Book and type in, you know, the mileage of that vehicle. Hopefully you bought it as low as you can. And now I'm going to recommend that you try and sell it as high as you can. Maybe you've detailed that thing. Maybe you've had to put new tires or something like that on there. Uh, well, that is going to be something that will hopefully increase the value. You know, any motor vehicle that you buy, it's just like a stock. You want to buy that absolutely as low as you possibly can, and you want to turn around and resell it for as high as you possibly can, okay? So whenever, you know, whether you're uh, selling it on eBay, Craigslist, Marketplace, or whatever, you know, rewrite the ad. Make sure that your ad has a lot more sales sales terms such as, you know, great condition, won't last, you know, things like that. You can go to Google, type in sales terms, and fill your ad up with sales terms, and those can give psychological incentives to a customer to pay you more for a vehicle. This has actually been proven in some studies. But, you know, when a customer shows up to buy that vehicle, hopefully, you know, you want to greet them with a big smile and a firm handshake. First impressions mean everything. You know, your professional demeanor will reflect your professionalism, and you must treat every person who shows up to buy that vehicle as a potential buyer. You know, a person that's wearing worn or torn clothing could be very much a serious buyer that has done his or her research, has a cash uh, in their pocket, and is ready to buy right now. Also, you know, you might see someone that drives up to your home or wherever you're selling that vehicle in the junkiest car you've ever seen. Well, don't discredit them either because that person needs a vehicle, and hopefully the vehicle that they're getting ready to place that junkie one is the one that you're trying to sell. So if you don't treat every single person with complete respect, they will take their money and buy another vehicle from another person. So you must assume that every person no matter what their appearance, is going to purchase a vehicle from you. They're thinking about making a very important purchase. And for most most persons buying that vehicle from you, this is their second largest investment only after their home. You know, And if they're a renter, it is their largest investment. And they want to basically be catered to a little bit. Always keep that in mind. And just make sure that you can establish rapport with every person. And hopefully they will purchase that vehicle from you. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. You know, if you do know, know any mechanical faults, let them know before they take that test drive. Most customers are going to want to take a test drive. But, you know, think about this. Let's just say, for example, this car's pulling to the left a little bit and maybe it's making a little bit of noise in the rear end. Before they take the test drive, I'd say, hey, listen, this thing's pulling to the left a little bit. Heard a little bit of noise back there in the rear end the other day. By telling that person that's buying that vehicle from you, everything that they know, everything that you know about that vehicle, you're going to build some credibility with that person first off. And studies have actually shown, you know, when a customer trusts the seller of a vehicle, they will trust more of an investment. If they feel like you're lying to them, you know, they're either going to, not going to buy that vehicle or they're going to give you a much more lowball offer. But, you know, in my experience selling vehicles, when you tell somebody everything you know about the vehicle before they take that vehicle for a test drive, you're building credibility And there are studies that have shown that when a person trusts the seller of a vehicle, they will trust more of an investment. Think about this. A person is going to trust a lot more of an investment with you, the honest, ethical seller, than they will, you know, that person down the street, this this line to every single person that comes to look at their vehicle. So be sure to disclose every mechanical malfunction that you're aware of in advance, and you will build a large amount of credibility with that customer. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. You know, when the customer returns from that test drive, hopefully they've decided whether or not they're going to purchase that vehicle. And hopefully I think they will. But, you know, if they say something like, well, I'm going to keep looking, asking them exactly what they're looking for. And maybe the vehicle that they're looking for is could be the next type of vehicle that you look for to resell, you know. Or they might say some buying signs. 
They might say something like, you know, I like this car, but it's priced a little bit more than I was willing to spend. Or maybe they'll say, this car is okay, but it's not really the color I want. Well, this is a great sign because it's showing that customer is showing buying interest and they might be ready to submit a low offer. So let's just, just as a ballpark figure here, let's say, let's say you're asking $5,000 for a vehicle, you know, and your customer might attempt to lowball you and they'll come in and say, okay, I know you're asking 5,000. I'll give you 2,500. Well, your first instinct on a low ball offer might be to say something like, well, no way you're wasting my time. When you want to come back and make a real offer, do that. And that's a huge mistake. Always stay positive at all times, no matter how low that that person's offer. You know, when a person offers much lower than your asking price, they are normally waiting on a counter offer. So you definitely want to counter. And just like on selling a vehicle, when you're doing counters, you want to decrease them in smaller amounts. So you might come back, let's say, let's say you're asking $4,000 for that vehicle. They ask you, they offer 25. Well, you might come down on your biggest counter at the first time. Say, well, I will take 4,000. Well, then maybe they'll say three. Well, then on that next counter, you definitely want to decrease it much less. So you might say 4000 and then you might drop down, well, I'll do thirty-eight five, And they're going to know by that by dropping your increments on the counter that you are very low, very uh, close to your lowest, uh, your lowest price. So do keep that in mind. Negotiation strategies on the buy incur with decreasing amounts of the uh, counter offer. So always remember that. And it's also a great selling tool for you as well. You know, so... <clears throat> You know, uh, you can always write down exactly what you'll take on a price. That's kind of a dealer trick there, but uh, that is something that you want to keep in mind. You know, I want to share a quick story with you. I once bought a Nissan Altima that needed a windshield and a bearing in one wheel, and I was able to negotiate the price down to $1,100 on the buy. I spent $225 on a windshield and $119 on a wheel bearing. So I had a total of $1,444 in that vehicle. And I also spent a couple hours cleaning and detailing that vehicle. I listed it for $39.95 on Craigslist, and I sold it for $3,700. So that was a profit of $2,256. And that's not a bad profit for one sale. Now, I want you to be aware, every single state law, no matter where you live, does require you pay sales tax and register a vehicle before you can resell it. Remember, if you do not register and pay your sales tax, you are violating every law. Uh, every state requires a person that's not a licensed dealer to pay sales tax and register a vehicle when they purchase it, and you have to do that before you sell it. And most states do have a uh, excuse me, I'll try that one more time in English. Most states do have a limit on the number of vehicles you can sell without a dealer's license. Most states will allow you to sell four to five vehicles every year. You know, if you want to sell more than four or five vehicles, then you are definitely going to have to have a dealer's license. So, you know, maybe a dealer's license is right for you. Uh, You know, I show you the profit on just one vehicle. Think about this scenario several times a week, you know, or if you decide to get your dealer's license, you're also going to be able to get into dealer auctions and buy vehicles for a much lower price than what individuals are selling them for. And which is a great reason to get a dealer's license in the first place. So, if you're taking, if you're interested in taking your profits to a whole new level, you can certainly do this. Uh, you can go to our website, dealertraining.org. Once again, that's dealertraining.org. Click on that download training button. Uh, we're going to show you how to get your dealer's license, no matter what state you're in. Uh, I think we're going to be able to help you get started. This is an incredible business. You know, I bought and sold vehicles for years before I decided to take the plunge and actually get my own dealer's license. You can get your own dealer's license. It's really not that expensive. Uh, There are some parts of the country that will allow you to have a dealer's license from your home, but there aren't a lot to do that. And even the states that do allow you to have a dealer's license, 
if you're home, they're going to require that you meet local zoning. So you can't have a great big lot if you're in a great big, you know, beautiful residential area. That's not going to be allowed. But uh, some some cities and counties do not have zoning. So that's something that you definitely want to be aware of. And there are states that will allow you have a dealer's license at your home as long as it is in a separate building. So this is something you want to look at. Uh, I procrastinated for years, but when I finally got my dealer's license, I was really, really glad that I did. And I would wish that I had gotten my dealer's license many years before that. You are listening to the Dealer Training Podcast with Dallas Johnson. Hey, thank you very much for listening to the Dealer Training Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas Johnson. I'm the lead instructor of the Automobile Dealer Training Association. And I certainly do hope that you will consider getting your dealer's license. And we can help you with that. Go to dealertraining.org. We are also an approved provider in many states. Uh, so you can also check uh, the dealertraining.org website. We do provide mandated training in many states, but we also tried optional training in the states that don't require that. I hope you found this podcast helpful. And I want to wish you the very best of luck with your new business. And I'm going to strongly encourage you to go for it. Thank you very much. Have a great day.